If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number two of the World According to Zig podcast for this April 16th, 2018. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of the show where you can still get the real truth about all sorts of things in the news in this world turned upside down. Recently, we've been focusing a lot on my crusade for truth in the entire Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky scandal. Hour number three this week, we're devoting to a very special hour of basically ask John anything about the case, but specifically about the Newsweek, quote unquote, cover story that got spiked at the very last minute that I posted on our website, framingpaterno.com. That's where you can see it, both in a web version as well as a PDF form. Uh, So make sure you check that out if you've not done so already and share it if you can. And since that came out, uh, I've obviously gotten a lot of response. A big part of the reason why I desperately wanted this story in a major media publication was not because I thought it could overnight change the world. You can't change the world, especially in this very fragmented era, uh, after uh, almost seven years of horrendously inaccurate media reporting by 100% of the media industrial complex with one article, no matter how good, no matter how long, in, in a magazine that's no longer nearly as powerful as it used to be in Newsweek. I understood that probably better than anybody. But one of the things I was hoping for was that when some of the key identities of the accusers in this case were known to people locally, that it would provide more information and potentially more pressure on them. I've always felt, uh, at least about since the last three or four years when I realized that most, if not all of this, was effectively a scam and a fraud, that the uh, the anonymity that the vast majority of the accusers were provided, and it, make it clear here, there's no legal reason for that. It's purely a media standard because they don't want to, you know, put uh, people they think were sexually abused into you know, more uh, social pressure. So it's like this catch-22. It's almost the perfect crime because... The identities of these guys are critical to understanding the nature of their stories and why, in my opinion, and the opinion of many other people have looked at this very carefully, they're not credible. And it's not even close as to whether or not 
they're credible. It's patently obvious, and the people who are closest to them know it. But most of the people closest to them don't even know that they are accusers of Jerry Sandusky. So when when I decided to post the uh, the story very reluctantly on uh, on my own website, FramingPaterno.com, after Newsweek spiked it at the very last moment, I was almost immediately contacted by a guy who is from just outside of Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, who we're going to speak to momentarily. His name is Chad Buzkirk. And I've always felt, and my instincts have been exceedingly good on this, that Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, is the key to this whole deal. And this was even before I knew, which I now know because I have the names uh, of all the 36 people who got $118 million from Penn State for being Jerry Sandusky accusers. I, I now know that five of those 36 were from this tiny little town, this in drug-infested town called Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. Very small, not many, many people there, out in the boonies, outside of State College, Pennsylvania. And that those five guys got $35 million dollars which is, by the way, probably far more than the gross domestic pot product of uh, in any given year of Lockhaven. It's probably not even close. But the, uh, the $7 million per is extraordinary. Now, the first accuser in this case, victim number one, Aaron Fisher, is from Lockhaven. But interestingly, he's the youngest person of those five, which, if you think about it logically, is exactly the opposite of how this would work if it was real. <laughs> but for some reason, Aaron's the first one to become a victim. And the four others, they follow not immediately after Aaron comes forward and the crap hits the fan in November of 2011 and, and becomes very, very public. And Aaron's name becomes public almost immediately because he is victim number one. And, the, and essentially the New York Times outed him, which is, which is as an aside, Amazing to me that I get ripped all the time for allegedly outing victims of child sex abuse, which I don't believe I've ever done. In fact, I think the evidence is overwhelming. I've never done that. But the New York Times was the first one to do that with regard to Aaron Fisher, who would then later write a ridiculous book, which I urge you to read because it shows what an entire scam this whole case really is. But anyway, with regard to, to these four other guys... One of them is a guy by the name of Josh Culver. Now, we've done a podcast interview with a woman who was the baby mama for Josh Culver's child and was the fiancé of Josh Culver for quite a while. And during that period of time, she told us a very detailed story of how he had never mentioned Jerry Sandusky to her. Never mentioned him. Until one day, he starts bragging to her that he got $5 million from Penn State because he had stayed up for three consecutive nights so that he could be tired enough to tell them a story that was false about being abused by Jerry Sandusky. And this woman had nothing to gain. She wasn't looking for any more child support or alimony or anything or anything, you know, what any kind of uh, payment whatsoever. She was exceedingly credible. You can find that interview at framingpaterno.com and freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, she went into great detail, and it was obvious that the story was a sham. And interestingly, Jerry Sandusky and Donnie Sandusky don't even know who this person is. 
So this is this is a person who, in my opinion, knew that Aaron Fisher was a fraud because people in Lockhaven know that he is and realized this must be free money. Well, Josh Culver was not the only one. The, our guest who joins us now, Chad Buzkirk, is a guy who knew another Lockhaven accuser. His name was Glenn Neff. And he got $7 million. And Chad joins us now after having contacted me after we posted the Newsweek story at FramingPaterno.com. Chad, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how you doing? Chad, I appreciate you contacting me. I'm curious. Let's start right there. What made you decide to contact me? Well, just that after, uh, you know, reading a few of the things that you had put out there and I listened to uh, your podcast with an ex-girlfriend of Aaron Fisher. And, well, for quite a while, I wanted to reach out to somebody. I just didn't know who or how. And I I appreciate what you're doing, trying to get the truth out. I feel it needs to come out. All right. So let's talk about the truth that you know. Now, um, how is it that you know Glenn Neff? I worked for his father for a few years, and I also worked with him. And then uh, there were a couple times he needed, I left him, uh, I actually, he actually stayed with me for about a month one time and I think two and a half weeks another when he didn't have a place to stay. So this is a guy you've worked with, you've worked for his dad, and he's actually, yep. he's actually stayed at your place for, on multiple occasions for extended periods of time. Yes. So you get to know a guy pretty well, right? Yeah. All right. And what kind of a person would, uh, would you say Glenn Neff is? Uh, the the best way to describe Glenn is he's a liar. And why would you say he's a liar? Just he's just. I mean, ever since I've known. Now, don't get me wrong. He was he was young when I first met him. He was only probably eighteen years old when he, when I first worked with him. And just you you just could never really. You had to take him with a grain of salt. I kind of I kind of understood how he was because I knew his dad, and his dad was the same way. And he didn't. He. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was full of shit, but he didn't seem like a. He didn't seem like a bad guy. He <laughs> was just a normally, being. just a normally full of shit guy, rather than a a, a bad, know, normally kind, full of kinda, shit guy. I just kind of understood how he grew up and tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, is probably the best way to put it. Would you Would you agree with my with my assessment of Lockhaven? By the way, as as far as uh, the nature of the oh, people I, that are there. Absolutely. Tell, tell tell people what Lockhaven is like. It's, there's not much going on there. It's uh, well, like you said, it's it's pretty well drug riddled. It's been pretty well drug riddled for the last probably oh, 10 years or so, and just not a lot going on there, to be honest with you. A lot of drug use, a lot of people on welfare, uh, yep. and and I think uh, it's a culture where the the American dream is to be a victim of somebody with deep pockets. And then it's, I, it seems that way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that uh, at least five guys figured this out, maybe with some help from therapists and, and moms, specifically Aaron Fisher's mom, who was who was very, very key to this whole situation. OK, so, you know, this guy, Glenn, you're you're older than him, right? You're 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 how much older than Glenn Neff? Yeah, well, I'm. 37th and Glenn would be 
how I'm not even sure. I'm Glenn's probably 20. I'm probably 10 years older than Glenn. Right. I think that's almost exactly right. So, okay. So you know him, you've let him stay over your, your place a few times and you're a, you're a big Penn state football fan, correct? No, absolutely. Have been your whole life. Yes. I assume you're a, a big Joe Paterno fan. Yep. Yes, and, sir. Season ticket holder. And um, and what would you know before any of this uh, whole child molestation thing happened uh, publicly in 2011? What was your view of Jerry Sandusky? Let, let's actually back up even further because you went you would end up meeting Jerry Sandusky along with Glenn Neff in 2009. So before 2009, tell us your impressions of Jerry Sandusky. It was it was nothing but good. Nothing but good. Always, you know, I admired him. And why did put you admire some of the just some of the defenses he put together? And if, I mean, it's weird to say it now, but the the work he did with the kids, everything. He just he just seemed like a great man at the time. You know, I still, I, I just I have a hard time believing any of this now. Well, we'll get to that momentarily, but I want you to tell your story because I think your story is important. So okay. okay, so so Glenn is a, a guy who was part of the Second Mile charity, Jerry Sandusky's charity, as a kid, uh, yep. a charity for at-risk kids, and I'm, I'm assuming Glenn qualified for that. And so uh, he was part of the Second Mile, and so there he got to know Jerry. And uh, is it fair to say that at some point Glenn was kind of bragging about his relationship with Jerry to you? Uh, Glenn, Glenn spoke to Jerry quite often to me. would talk about, you know, bull game trips, different things. Uh, never anything but good. And did he, at one point in 2009, did he say, hey, let's go visit my buddy Jerry at his house? Yeah, and like I said, I, with him being so full of shit, it surprised me. I didn't even know. Of course, we got to the when we got there, I, I wasn't even certain we were at his house. And with all the bullshit lies he's told in the past, yeah, I was shocked that he, that's where he took me. Okay, so he says, hey, let's go see my friend Jerry Sandusky, and you go along, but the whole time you're thinking, ah, come on, he's not really going to show me Jerry Sandusky. He doesn't really know Jerry. That is that is that a no, good, yeah. Is that a fair that's, assessment? That's, that's, about, that's about as good as it gets right there. Okay, so the door the door opens, and does, does Dottie answer the door? His wife, Dottie? Yes, Dottie answers the door. Okay, so Dottie answers the door, and do you remember what the greeting was like or anything like that? Oh, was, yeah, she was uh, extremely happy to see him. They hugged. Uh, they hugged each other. Uh, hell, I think, I, I, if I recall correctly, I think she even hugged me, and she had never met me before. Okay, uh, so, 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 Dottie, yeah. so Dottie hugs Glenn. She, you think she hugs you, and then what yeah. happens? Well, the very next thing I rem- uh, that I remember very clearly was that they had a St. Bernard, and uh, Glennie just kept referring to that as his dog and uh, talking about his room and how much he loved the dog. And Jerry was upstairs. Uh, Dottie, yelled, Dottie yelled that he was there. So Jerry came down. And he, was, he was just out of the shower. In fact, like I said, he, when I talk, spoke to you before, he still had uh, shaving cream on him. You know, he came down to see Glennie. Big hug, you know. He shook my hand. Him and Glennie talked for quite a while, and uh, I'd like I said we were probably there thirty to forty-five minutes, and he was getting ready for a charity charity event. Jerry Sandusky was. Yes. Okay, and while you were there, uh, anything weird, unusual, any weird vibes, or was it was it just a good time had by all type of deal? 
There, no, there, yeah, there was nothing weird about it whatsoever. Glennie certainly didn't see un- seem uncomfortable at all. I mean, okay, and Glenn, it, yeah, it, it, and Glenn at this time is about uh, nineteen years old. Is that about right? Something in that in yeah, that range? That, yeah, I would say that's real close. Yeah. Okay, and so, um, and so basically, what I'm, the sense I'm getting is that that Glenn wanted to brag to you about his buddy Jerry, and he brought you over, and and you were. You know, you thought that was cool since you had admired uh, Jerry Sandusky as a defensive coordinator on two national championship teams for your favorite football team. And so it, it was all good, right? Absolutely. Okay. So do you ever see Jerry Sandusky again? No, I, I never, never saw him again. Okay. So you, but, but you do, obviously, you keep in contact with Glenn during this time period. And, oh, yes. And so November 2011 happens. And the, the crap hits the fan, and Jerry gets arrested. And I'm sure your mind is absolutely blown at this point, right? Absolutely. I mean, what was your reaction? It was, uh, I was heartbroken. And did you believe it? I mean, obviously, most people were believing it simply because of the overwhelming amount of media coverage and the, the charges and everything else. Did you, did you buy it uh, 50%, 100%? What, what, what was your mindset at that time? To be honest with you, initially when it when it first happened, and with all the over just the way the media portrayed it, and the overwhelming overwhelming so-called evidence that that was out right away, I didn't really I didn't know what I didn't know I didn't honestly didn't know how it couldn't be true. My first thought was wondering if you know if anything happened to Glennie. And so, did you ask Glenn? Yes, I did. And what was his response? His exact response when I asked him was they're all lying. He would never do anything like that. So Glenn Neff, when asked, and, and by this point he's in, a, he's clearly an adult. He's like 21 years old, maybe 22 mm-hmm. in, in that range. Uh, guy you've known for several years, guy you've been mm-hmm. to Jerry Sandusky's house with, house with, you ask him point blank, is this real? And he says, absolutely not. Jerry would never do this. Yep, exactly. And did this happen on more than one occasion? Oh, there were numerous conversations we had. Uh, just that, you know, he, he ne- like, and like I said, he never had anything but good things to say. He was adamant that, uh, that he didn't do this stuff. I mean, he, there couldn't have been that. I mean, other than him coming forward and, you know, speaking publicly about it, there couldn't have been a bigger advocate for Jerry Sandusky at that time. So, so over, over multiple occasions, over an extended period of time, in the midst of this media firestorm, right? This is, this is after Joe Paterno has been fired. It's clear Penn State's going to be paying money. It's pretty clear Jerry's in big trouble because the Bob Costas interview has happened. Everyone is presuming he, he's guilty. But Glenn Neff is telling you, uh-uh, no way, no how. Is that accurate? Yep, yes. And, and he's telling that you this as a clear adult, 21, 22 years old. Now, yes. okay. Now let's fast forward uh, a couple of years. Now we, let's go to what, what I think you believe to be, although correct me if I'm wrong, sometime in around 2016, maybe two, early 2017, you get a phone call. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. And, and who's the call from? The call is from Glenn Neff. And where's he calling from? He was calling from his attorney's office. And how do you know that? Well, that's what he told me. He told me it was his attorney, and then 
I, uh, I did, I spoke to his attorney for probably about five minutes also that day. Okay, so you get a call from Glenn Neff telling you he's calling you from his attorney's office, and what does he say to you? And the first time that he called from there, he asked me if I would. T- he asked if I would speak to his attorney and tell him what I witnessed the day we were at Jerry and Dottie's house. Okay, and what'd you tell him? I told him basically just what I well exactly what I told you. I said we went in, you know. But, but no, but, 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 but to be clear, you just said, okay, I'll talk to your attorney, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so then you told, the attorney then calls you, 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 you see it's a Philadelphia number, um, yes. correct? And so you, yes. you speak to someone who identifies themselves as Glenn Neff's attorney. He asks you, what did you witness? And you tell him the same story you just told me. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, yes. Okay, now, uh, then what happens? Well, it was... I don't remember if it was that day or the very next day. Glenn calls me and asks if I will tell his attorney that I saw Jerry kiss him. And what was your... I told him, no, I'm not going to tell anybody I saw Jerry kiss you. I would have... Well, for one, I I was right there. You know, I know it didn't happen. And what was his reaction when you told... Well, first of all, what was your reaction when he asked you to say that? It was... At that point, I knew what was going. I knew what he was trying to do, but I honestly did not think there was any possibility that he could pull it off. Okay, let's stop there because that's really important. We'll continue with the story in just a second. So you realize it doesn't take that much to figure it out. But if if a lawyer is asking you about uh, something that you witnessed with Glenn Neff, that Glenn's trying to turn himself into a Jerry Sandusky victim for money, right? That's what your impression was. Yes. And this was, uh, how shocking was that to you in and of, of itself? Well, it, it blew my mind. That's, that's for sure. I mean, there he was, you know, one of his biggest supporters. But there was zero doubt in your mind he was lying about it, right? Yeah, zero. Okay. And so what made you so confident that he could never pull this off? I just, I, <laughs> I, Oh, I I just I had no I I just did not think there was a chance, man. I honestly I I don't I still apparently it was pretty easy to do. Right, but back on it now. I guess what I'm getting at is you must have presumed that Penn State could not possibly be handing out free money to total frauds without vetting them. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, that's a fair assessment. Yes turned out to be a false assessment, but, yeah. but, but I can understand at the time you're thinking, no, he's not going to be able to pull this off. So you, you're not sure if it's the next day or, or that day or the next day, but you get another call from Glenn Neff, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And what happens during that phone call? Uh, like I said, he asked me, we talked for a little bit and then eventually he asked me if I would tell his attorney that he, uh, that I saw Jerry kiss him. I said, no, I'm not going to tell him that I saw Jerry kiss you. We had a brief argument. I hung up the phone on him and then it was that that was the end of that. A few days later, he had tried to call me. I ignored him. He sent me a text asking if, uh, asking if I was going to help him or not. My exact response was, excuse my language, but fuck no, I'm not going to help you. And then what happened after that? After that, I hadn't, I didn't speak, I hadn't spoken to him 
I didn't, in fact, his attorney no longer had any use for me either. I didn't speak to him. Hell, in fact, I blocked his phone number for quite a while. Okay, but... Just didn't speak to him. All right, let's back up. I think I feel like we're missing a piece, an important piece of the story here. Did, did he not uh, offer you something if, in fact, you oh, said... Yes, he did. I forgot. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> kind, of for, <laughs> kind of forgetting the most important part of the story here, Chad. Well, so, yeah, well, and this, I had, I will, I'll tell you what, before I called you, I wrote down, and I, I forgot, I don't have it with me right now, but I wrote down everything, and he actually made an offer to buy me a truck, if I would say it. Now, did he offer you the truck, if you said that you witnessed Jerry Sandusky kiss him, did he do that over the phone, via text, or both? I know he did it over the phone, and I thought he did. He had sent me a text. Like I had said, the, the phone was gone. I tried to recover those uh, text messages, and I didn't have anything backed up, and I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could find a way to recover what text messages he did send me. Well, it's still the same phone number, so I, I think that might be possible. Um, but let's worry about that later. So, so your recollection is, just to be very clear, because this is obviously a key point in the story, he's asking you to vouch for him because he needs something. He, at least he thinks he does. Turns out he didn't. He thinks he yeah. needs something to convince Penn State that he was abused. You're his golden ticket because he has made up a story that when Jerry comes down to see you guys, after because he's shaving that he doesn't have a shirt on i guess and so therefore that was a, a a moment where glenn thinks aha this will sound really nefarious if jerry comes down shirtless and kisses me is that is that a fair assessment yes yes between him and his whether he and his lawyer came up with that together or he did on his own but yes that's okay fair. and you and you're telling him no way no how i'm not doing this right yep and you tell and you tell him this on multiple occasions, and it's and do you remember how many times you told him, Glenn, I'm not doing this before he offered you the truck if you did do it for him? I think it was I I, I my, the best, I would say probably twice before he offered it. And and so you're and again you're positive he offered a truck via the phone, and you think he offered a truck again via text. Yes, I'm positive via via the phone call. I'm sure of that, and, and, and I'm pretty like I said, and I'm pretty sure he also sent a text. Did he tell you what the same thing? Did he tell you what kind of truck? No, he just he did not. He didn't specify. He told me, like I said, he just said he would buy me a truck. Would it have mattered what kind of truck it was when when you were making your decision as to whether or not to help him? No, hell no. Okay, so at this point, you know he's. You're a hundred percent sure he's telling a story, right? To try to scam yes. Penn State out of money. Is that is that accurate? Yes. And how are you feeling about that? To, to be honest with you, I I don't even know what my feelings were. I I felt that you know, obviously, he, he's a scumbag was a feeling I had over it. But at that point, I was more more dumbfounded on what he was trying to do, and then even more that. That somehow he pulls it off. Now, is it fair to say that, because I'm trying to put your, myself in your position, that while you're pissed off, you're still thinking he's never going to actually get away with this. So in, in a weird way, it doesn't matter that much. It's almost like no harm, no foul. Is, is that what you're thinking? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. 
All right. And so when did you find out that uh, your your assessment of Penn State's vetting ability was way off and that Glenn had not only gotten paid, but gotten paid $7 million? When did that happen? Yeah, well, the, the $7 million was news to me. I knew he, I knew he got something. The $7 million was news to me from uh, the article that you had published that was supposed to be on Newsday, I believe it was. Newsweek. Now, but Newsweek. How, 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 did you, how did you know he had gotten something? Just, uh, just from knowing some of his relatives and friends, I knew he, got, I, I knew he had got something. And, but how, did you, but how did you know that? I'm just curious. How, how did you know from his relatives and friends that he had gotten something from Penn State? Well, for, well his, he has a cousin that I, was, I used to be pretty good friends with. And he told me that he got money. And, I, of course, it was a big rumor around the area because, like you said, it's not a very big area. And uh, what I knew was when he bought, he bought a house. I mean, that was, that was pretty obvious that something pretty drastic happened because he didn't have two nickels to rub together. So he had no way of buying a house, and all of a sudden he's buying probably a very nice house, right? Yes. And when you found out from reading the article that I posted at FramingPaterno.com that it was $7 million, what was your reaction to that? No, my mind was blown. And that's what, I, and that's what made you decide to, to contact me? What made me decide to contact you was you were the first person that I heard of that actually seemed to give a shit about it. I, I wish I would have looked – I wish I would have taken – other steps previously, I really wish I would have, but I just didn't know what to do or who to, who to turn to. I, I get it. A lot, a lot of people feel that way, and a lot of people, uh, Chad, just so you understand, one of the biggest problems is everyone thinks that their tiny little piece of the puzzle doesn't matter because they think we already know what the big puzzle looks like. But they're they're wrong about what the big puzzle looks like, and part of the reason why they don't understand that is because everyone's hiding their own little pieces, and and your piece I think is is a really important piece because and it goes way beyond just Glenn Neff. I mean, Glenn Neff isn't just somebody who got a settlement from Penn State. He's somebody who got seven million dollars, which is one of the biggest numbers in the entire process, and he's one of the five from Lock Haven. And if Lockhaven is as big a fraud or even a tenth of a fraud as I believe it to be, the whole case falls apart because your number one accuser is from Lockhaven, Aaron Fisher. And guess what? Aaron Fisher and Glenn Neff are very close. I don't know if you've heard that, but I've heard from multiple sources that Glenn Neff and Aaron Fisher to this day spend a lot of time together. Does that surprise you at all? Yes, it does because prior to that, you know, I, I knew Glenny pretty. I, I knew Glenny pretty damn well from the time he was nineteen till he was twenty four, twenty five, and not once did I ever hear him mention Aaron Fisher. Well, because Aaron Fisher wasn't important then. Yeah, Aaron Fisher is important now. They're they're, multi, you know, they're, they're multimillionaires who share the same secret, and it, so it's not surprising at all to me that they are, uh, and I'm told again, by multiple people that they're very close uh, and their ages are not that close. Glenn is significantly older uh, than Aaron's. Um, but, you know, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, is Glenn into fancy sports cars? Because Aaron loves fancy sports cars. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's, 
I'm sure that's something they have in common. Well, that's not the only thing they have in common. I can assure you that. Uh, yeah. but, but there's another guy from Lock Haven that you are not uh, so much directly uh, familiar with, but you're indirectly familiar with. The, one of the other Lock Haven accusers is a guy by the name of Frankie Probst. And Frankie Probst is maybe the most ridiculous of the Lock Haven uh, five because here's a guy who went on national television when the crap hit the fan and said Jerry never did anything to him. Jerry was clingy, and that was it. He was never abused. And waited five years, five years before suddenly deciding, you know, about a year before his 30th birthday and the statute of limitations in Pennsylvania ends, that he's going to file a claim, claiming, by the way, and I've seen the the, the leaked documents, I'm one of very few people who have seen them, that he was... He was uh, victimized by Jerry brutally up until his senior year in high school, which, if you know Frank Probst, is insane because he was a star tight end on his high school football team, played in college for multiple years. His nickname was Frank the Tank, and uh, and nothing about his behavior is remotely consistent at all before or after with having been abused by Jerry Sandusky. What do you what do you and your family members know about Frankie Probst? Uh, like I said, well, Frankie, I did, I don't know personally very well. I do. I've known Frankie from being around him a few times, running into him at bars. My little brother actually knows him better. I mean, I watched that when he was on what was it, Rock Center or whatever the hell it was, just because yes. of knowing him a little bit. Right. And uh, I mean, Frankie, he's got a similar reputation. You know, he's full of shit. Uh, I don't really believe anybody believes that anything happened with Frankie. And yet he gets eight million. The the number is maybe the most startling part. He got more than Aaron Fisher did. Yeah, and I I had no idea he got anything until I read what what you wrote. I mean, Aaron Fisher's got to be pissed. Frankly, I mean, because he paved the way for everybody, and and you know, here here uh, you know his buddy Glenn is getting basically the same amount that he got, and Frankie Probst is getting more. Uh, and 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 by the way, I mean, if you actually believe Frankie Probst, Frankie Probst is somebody who, if he, had, in fact, it's even stated in his settlement questionnaire that <laughs> Frankie allegedly felt guilty about Aaron's abuse because if he had come forward sooner, he could have stopped Aaron's abuse. <laughs> like, well, wait, so wait a minute. <laughs> this is so Alice in Wonderland. He gets paid $8 million when at best, at best, he's causing other people's abuse. <laughs> if, uh, who got paid less? Um, okay, so... <laughs> So let's try to wrap this all all together here. Um, if you do run into Glenn Neff again, now that you know the full story, uh, what are you going to say to him? I'm I'm just going to tell him I know. You know, I'm just going to tell him I I know that that he's completely full of shit. I I I would like to, I would like to hear what he has to say. Just just ask him. You know. How, how the hell? I, I don't know how he lives with himself. Well, I do with, with $7 million, but I just, yeah, I, I mean, I know, like I said, I know that nothing happened with Glenn Neff for a fact. And does it make you feel as if, if that's the way it is with Glenn and Glenn got $7 million, that it's probably that way with just about everybody else too, if not everybody else? 
Yeah, yeah, and the more, and like I said, I, when I'd spoken to you before, when I called you, I've read, I've read basically everything you can possibly read on it, and it, it just, nothing seems to add up. That's for damn sure. It doesn't add up because it didn't happen. And boy, if you ever get those answers from Glenn Neff about uh, how he can live with himself, or uh, I'd sure love to hear them. So let, let me know. Please keep in touch. And uh, and Chad uh, Buzzkirk, I really do appreciate you coming forward. Uh, you know, you you are um, one of the very few people that willing to stand up and, and tell the story that you know to be the truth. And and you don't and you don't care about anything else but the truth. You actually you you might be the only person I know in this story that turned down uh, a, a huge um, benefit uh, financially for for not no, yeah, lying in this case. No telling what I could have got out of it, but no, it's just I just would not would not do that. Well, good for you, Chad. I I, I hope you at least sleep well at night, and uh, we appreciate your your time and your your story. And please keep in touch, okay? All right, thank you. That's uh, Chad Buzzkirk from uh, Lock, just outside of Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, with an extraordinary story about Glenn Neff, who got $7 million from Penn State University for claiming to be a Jerry Sandusky victim. So from, from Lock Haven, we have knocked out, <laughs> I've got 13 people on record saying Aaron Fisher is full of crap, people very close to him. Uh, with uh, Josh Culver, we've got his baby mama and former fiance blowing him apart. We've got uh, Glenn Neff being blown apart here. Frankie Probst blows himself apart, and uh, and Chad helps with that. And then the, the other guy from uh, from uh, Lock Haven, a guy by the name of Coover, uh, I've already heard horrendous things about him as well. So the whole the whole thing is a fraud. But even within the fraud, there's a special level of scamness. That's coming out of uh, Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. And that's really the key to understanding this whole case. All right. Now, we're going to do a special hour number three, which will be Ask John Anything About This Case and the Newsweek article, which obviously are intertwined. Uh, I had previously asked for questions via Twitter and Facebook and email and got some good ones. So if you're even remotely interested in the case, and if you're not, why are you not? Uh, make sure you uh, check out hour number three of this week's podcast. And as always, go to our website, framingpaterno.com, for the Newsweek piece itself and hours and hours and hours of content that you will not get anywhere else from the new mainstream news media, which continues to report this, uh, this myth rather than the fact, uh, even to the point now where we have a movie from HBO called Paterno, which is basically a, a movie about Christmas where they just accept the fact that Santa Claus must be real, although they're a little bit concerned about the elves and the reindeer. Uh, but uh, make sure you check that out. And as always, do yourself a favor. And uh, if you're one of those people who sleeps, you probably don't sleep if you're a Sandusky accuser who got millions of dollars, but it might help you. Uh, if you're listening, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, you can certainly afford them. Make sure you uh, pay attention to this important message. My name's John Ziegler. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah, they're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh, no wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. 
No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should. Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S H E E X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.